Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. And today I have with me Andrea Falcioni and Tricia Cornell. They are both with Rethink Compliance, one of the most innovative companies in the compliance space. We're going to have an interesting uh, visit with them today about not only the company, their compliance journeys, but also really where they see things going down the road. So ladies, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you very much. Our pleasure. It's our pleasure. So I was wondering if both of you all could really give us your own personal journey into compliance and how you got to rethink compliance. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start. I am an attorney by trade, Tom, and I started my career doing mergers and acquisitions and securities work in 2004. I had a great opportunity to get into the compliance space, which I was super happy about because I did not love the practice of law. And I started my career at SAI Global and then went to PwC. I was there for about five years and joined Rethink just about a year ago, a little over a year ago now. Patricia. Yeah, well, my journey to compliance has been similarly winding, but very, very different from Andrea's. I come out of the world of marketing and advertising before that journalism, which is which is a very old story for people who started in journalism to then end up on the evil side of things in marketing and advertising. I joined Rethink close to two years ago now when reconnected with our founder, Kirsten Liston was telling her what I was doing, which was creating pieces of content to persuade people to think differently about commercial products. And she said, I need somebody who does that. Compliance needs somebody who does that. So now I do essentially the same job I did in marketing and advertising, but I do it in the world of compliance. And you were probably like, and what is compliance exactly? (laughs) Oh, I did do some Googling after that. Yes. So it's been a rapid education in the world of compliance. Well, Tricia, that really uh, introduced the topic that uh, hopefully will be the signature topic of this podcast, but it's certainly going to be the title of this podcast, and that's Content is King. And I think outside the world of lawyers and outside the world of compliance professionals, that's a pretty ubiquitous phrase. Yet, as you found out, it's not as ubiquitous in our world. So I was wondering if you could just explain a little bit what that means, but then more importantly, why is that so necessary and innovative in the compliance space? Yeah. Uh, first, I want to make it clear that other industries have not necessarily figured this out as much as, you know, so it's not that everybody else has figured it out and the world of compliance needs to figure it out. But content is king is definitely a mantra in the world I came from. And some people took it to mean that you need to pump out as much stuff as you possibly can. And you need to put your name all over this content and this stuff and these videos and these articles and these blog posts and these listicles. But that's what Content is king meant to some people, but what it really should mean in the world of marketing and advertising, and this is where I bring in compliance, is that people want to read things. People want to listen to things. People want to watch videos. They want to learn. They want to consume content. So you have to make sure that your content is consumable and desirable to the person out there. And then through that, you get your brand message out there. But primarily your job as as a marketer is to make stuff people want to watch, listen to, and read. And this is where I get to compliance. It's the same job in compliance. You've got a message, 
you've got stuff your lawyers and you need your audience, your employees to know. But primarily, if you're going to get through to them, you need to make sure the content is something they want to, or at least don't regret, spending their time consuming, listening to, reading. We have a curious world out there. So as compliance experts and content marketers, we can create things that curious people want to listen to and watch and read. Andrea, as a lawyer, why is that concept so difficult for someone in a corporate legal department or perhaps even someone in the compliance profession to understand? Or am I completely off base and in your discussions with the marketplace out there, a CCO recognizes that now? I think it's changing is how I would answer that question. Lawyers, and I feel like I can say this because I am one, are risk averse. That's We become lawyers because we are risk averse. And so as a compliance officer, you think to yourself, I have to get all of this information out there to my stakeholders, whether it's employees or third-party business partners or the board of directors, whoever it is. And there's less of a concern about engaging them. I think that's changing. I'm really hopeful that's changing. Part of the reason why I decided to join Rethink Compliance is because, frankly, as the consumer of a lot of this content, as an employee of various different organizations, I did not engage with a lot of it. I thought a lot of it was far too long where I could have been getting the information that I needed in a far shorter, far better way that would make me care about it. And I do this for a living. So I actually do inherently care about it. And so if I'm having a hard time with content, I think most employees really are. And I felt like there was room in the marketplace for an organization to do this better. So I do think that that organizations are starting to think about it because they're getting a lot of negative feedback from their content consumers about what it is that's being pushed out to them. And so, you know, everybody is being challenged to do more with less in every organization, in every industry that I know out there. And with that in mind, making sure that employees don't feel like their time is being wasted, that what is being provided to them is relevant and is engaging enough to actually pay attention to and care about is becoming more and more critical, especially as regulators are are looking at the effectiveness of your efforts. So it's not just about, did you provide a, a dissertation on the antitrust laws that your people really understand what that meant and act upon it accordingly. Hey, you know, it's interesting that you use that example because that's precisely what the Department of Justice said when they released their antitrust compliance guidance back in July. I want to change the focus just a little bit. We're, uh, I think, a couple of years after the uh, Weinstein scandal broke, and I think a large part of America became really aware of the Me Too movement in a very big way. And the thing that struck me back then was that this situation, or at least the responsibility for reporting, was no longer simply on the reporter. It was now on me. And that every place I'd worked, we always knew who those people were. Whether you call them the Cowboys, whether you call them the players, didn't matter. Everybody knew who did things like that. And no one ever said anything. And you guys on your website have a video around, I think called exactly that, Don't Stand By. And I was wondering if you could talk about the genesis of that video and how it's been received in the marketplace. Or am I just an old white guy anomaly? (laughs) No, that's an excellent example of what we've just been talking about exactly. Don't Stand By was our response in 2017 to this movement that was coming forward. And we realized that the world basically broke down into two camps. People who were sick of being told, don't say that, don't touch that, don't stand there, don't do that. And the message wasn't getting through to them. And people who didn't need to be told that because they knew that and the message wasn't getting through to them. So we thought, once again, coming back to content, what is something that's going to 
resonate with people, that's going to make them want to continue to watch until the end, and not just that it's required and they're not going to be able to hit complete in their LMS until they watch till the end. And we remembered a fantastic video by a British spoken word artist by the name of Gary Turk. And he, on his own, had made a viral video called Look Up where he shot some original footage and he edited together some footage and he wrote a spoken word piece, a really rhythmic poem about the scourge of cell phones in our lives. And we're all on our cell phones all the time. We thought that that's our messenger right there. So we worked with him to write an original piece about what it's like to be a bystander, what it's like to be that kind of third person in the triangle when something's going on. Like you said, everybody knew who the quote-unquote cowboys were, but they didn't see that they had a role to play in this situation. That was somebody else's problem. That was his problem. That was her problem. It was not me. And since that's most people in the world, we thought, well, let's talk to them and let's do so in a way that's going to be so compelling that people are going to want to listen to the end. And I have to say, I have watched a number of people, some hard-bitten compliance officers, quietly reach for tissues when we play that video. I think it strikes a chord in part because of the rhythm of it and the the music of it, in part because of the, the message or something that just needed to be said. Speak up. Right. Yeah. Right. And I would add to that, that I was in the room for you, with you for one of those experiences where I turned to the chief compliance officer and said, are you crying? Don't worry. I cried the first time I saw this piece too. She was so embarrassed. But yeah, I mean, the other thing is that because Tom, as you said, we all knew who the, you know, the cowboys were, et cetera. You know, lots of us, the reason why the movement was called Me Too is because lots of us have been subject to that kind of stuff and to hear it spoken about in the way that Gary Turk does is moving and makes you really, really think. Andrea, I know you and I have had the chance to visit other venues around the issue of trust and the issue of values inside of a corporation, but it strikes me that the content that a compliance function would put out can be a part of that. Would that be a fair statement, Andrea? I do think that's a fair statement. And in addition to content being part of it, I think also leveraging the resources that are available within the organization, and I'll use a personal example. So I found myself, unfortunately, having to self-report a couple of policy violations um, in my prior life. They were not purposeful. I am human like everybody else in the world. And so I made a couple of mistakes, and they were big, truth be told. Potentially fireable mistakes. I was not let go from the job that I was in at the time. And I picked up the phone and called the compliance and ethics office to say, hey, this is what happened what next? What do we do? My experience was extremely positive. So I became sort of a content concierge, if you will, for them in that I then would spread the word to other people who were having issues, whether it was the type of thing that I found myself in or issues with other people to say, pick up the phone and call them. It was a really good experience. I thought it was fair. I thought everything was well handled. They were respectful. And I just can't state enough sort of the power of that. I ended up getting a lot of people to say, okay, I'm going to trust this process and I'm going to make a phone call when maybe they wouldn't have before. And so I think that that compliance officers in an organization should think about content in lots of different ways in order to start building trust and get people to trust the process and the system and the people that are involved in it. Tricia, if I could ask you, how do you get a particularly a legally trained compliance officer to understand that it's not so much speaking to civilians, it's just communicating in a way that is different than they've been professionally trained and the rest of the world doesn't 
have that training, doesn't think like lawyers, and they really need a much more holistic approach to content. Is that a message that you find resonates? Yeah, that's a great question. And what we generally start with is start where your audience is. And I purposefully use the word audience instead of employees or instead of staff. And it throws people a little bit, but they really need to think of the people that they're trying to reach as their audience. And the first lesson of communications is start where your audience is. What are their attitudes? What are they looking for from their work? Lots of us work for a paycheck. Lots of us work for because of passion. Lots of us are very proud of where we work. Lots of us feel that where we work is interchangeable and we could go somewhere else. All of those attitudes are okay, but they're things that you need to know about the people that you're talking to before you try to talk to them. So if you start with where they're at and understand what they need from you, um, because they are your audience, then you're going to be able to reach them more effectively with your message, with what you need them to know. And to find those at the intersection of those two spots is marketing 101. You you could trumpet at people and you could just tell them all about your product. You're not going to be as effective as the people who find out what your audience needs and say, hey, I can help you solve that need. I can help you solve that want. Doesn't mean there won't be any box checking. It's a world of box checking. That's fine. But as part of that, you also need to be thinking about, okay, how can I make this feel relevant to people? Yeah, I was just going to say, Trisha, and I think that that's totally relevant for purposes of this trust issue too, because I think a lot of organizations and compliance officers, the message is trust us. You should trust us. Why not trust us? You can trust us. And that is not going to resonate with everybody. It's probably not going to resonate with most people. And so getting into the mind of, okay, how can I move that needle? What is it that the audience needs to hear from me to actually make that happen? Yeah, which is why I love your story, because using influencers, that's been the way, well, it's been classic marketing for a long time, but certainly in the world of social media for the past five, 10 years, influencers have been crucial any brand building, right? Well, who are the influencers in your building? Who are the Andreas who have, for example, successfully interacted with your compliance office, had a great experience, and how can you leverage their influence? How can you get them to go out of there and be quote-unquote brand ambassadors for that excellent experience and for how you can help people? I will say here that just like great advertising can't help a crappy product, um, all the messaging in the world uh, isn't going to be effective if the experience people have around, for example, reporting or interacting with the powers that be isn't a positive one in general. So those two things need to go hand in hand. You know, when I formulated this question, I was very interested to see how you were going to answer it. But actually, I think I have an idea now after listening to you all for a little bit, and that's around the code of conduct. And I wanted to ask how or why can a code of conduct revamp be such a powerful tool for a compliance practitioner? So I think ultimately, and everybody knows this, the code, it's the cornerstone of any compliance program, and it should be the first thing that employees think about. It's certainly the part of a compliance program that probably gets the most attention from the compliance officers as well as their audience. So with that in mind, how can we make that document more meaningful, resonate better, and how can we create something that people will actually use? And so we at Rethink Compliance, and Trisha, I'll ask you to jump in here, really think hard about that. Who's going to go to a PDF on a website when everybody is 
working off of their phones. And so there are new ways of, of approaching code of conduct that takes all of the things that we're talking about into account. Yeah. And it comes back also to thinking about what your audience needs. We want that code of conduct to be a resource, which means you need to think about where and when is someone going to need this resource? What questions might they have? And how can I answer those questions in a way that's easy for them to find the information when they're going through there? Maybe they have a question about gifts and entertainment. And, and of course, you have a policy to that. But maybe when they need that quick answer, you need to make sure that it is easy to find and it is written in a language that they're going to understand very quickly so that they can make the right decision in the moment. If it's confusing or hard to find, they might decide to wing it because they've got other things to do in their very, very busy workday. So making sure that that code of conduct can only be a resource if it actually thinks about the people who are going to use it as a resource. Well, ladies, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering if listeners wanted any more information on Rethink Compliance or to get in contact with you all, how could they do so? Yeah, well, you can find us at RethinkCompliance.co.com, which is our easy-to-find website, or find us on LinkedIn. Search Rethink Compliance. Search Andrea's name, Andrea Falcioni, Tricia Cornell. Search the name of our, our founder, Kirsten Liston, and or Rethink Compliance. So LinkedIn and our website are both terrific places to find us. So innovation comes in a lot of different ways, and you guys, I think, were one of the really foremost who demonstrate that you can take concepts outside the compliance space that may not even be rocket science. So thank you so much for this podcast. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. Very much appreciated. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.